Hi, and welcome to Edge Church Podcasts. To get connected, visit our website, edgechurch.co.za, or send us a WhatsApp on 073-013-8426. Say hi, and we'll connect with you. Our sermons can be found on our YouTube channel. Today, we're in our Parenting on Purpose series. Enjoy listening to the sermon as we navigate the heart of parenthood. All right. Good morning, everyone. I'm still like adjusting the TV. I was like, oh, it's already done. Well, happy Sunday, everyone. It is good to be with all of you today. And looking at our online uh, camera that has an online com- congregation behind it, I want to say a warm welcome to you guys. I think it's incredibly powerful that over how we've seen that our online congregation has grown and there is strength in that congregation. And so it's not just a piece of technology. There's a congregation on that side, and it's really powerful. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I was standing um, in the line to get food, obviously. And as I was standing there, I was connecting with someone. I was like, hey, it's good to see you. How are you? Is this your first time? And they expressed it was their first time here in the building. But in actual fact, they had been watching. They found us on YouTube, and they had been watching for a few weeks. And they now are in service. And I thought, what a powerful testimony. You can find us there in YouTube, and then you can come into service. And so we love our online congregation. But we are starting our... Well, we're not starting. We are ending. Sorry, I'm busy hearing stuff behind me. I'm thinking, what is going on? Is this a surprise in the service or something? But we are continuing with our, with our journey on our series called Parenthood. And we've been focusing on how do we navigate this journey of parenting? How do we go about doing it? And let's be honest, parenting, if you're a parent, you know it is challenging. Raising a little human being, I think, is one of the hardest tasks that mankind was given to raise other little people. And last week, Tony brought a really great message speaking on this aspect of discipline and the approach in which we take, and it's a sensitive topic to to speak into, but how there's a difference between punishment and loving discipline. Well, today I want to conclude our series, and today I want to speak into into the, the topic of what do we do when our children do things that we wish they wouldn't do? And now... Have grace with me as we go through this sermon. But be honest, and I'm asking all of us to participate here and be 100% honest with me today, meaning don't lie, and particularly don't lie in the Lord's house. (laughs) But have you ever been around a mom or dad of a newly born baby? Everyone been around, anyone been around or recently, you know what they're like? My child is just perfect. Look at my baby. They're just perfect. They're perfect. And I'm talking about a newborn. And let's be honest, they, that phrase, love is blind, I'm telling you right now, <laughs> this is where it came from. And please hear me, and I'll start with this, is because when we had Rach, when I looked at her, I was like, she is just perfect. I look at her, she's so beautiful. And now when I look at her at five and I look back to when she was born, I go, you're my girl, you really are pretty now. <laughs> Parents, you know what I'm talking about here? I'm not being ugly. We've been honest here this morning. And so I was on, I was on TikTok and I, was, and, I, and I watched these pranks. And I was hysterical, and I thought, this relates so well with my message this morning. And let me just put a disclaimer. This, they're, they're not real. They're not real kids. It's a prank that people have done. But I think many of us can laugh because we can relate. You know when someone says, look how cute my baby is? Okay, take a look at this. Baby. 
bud. Hey, hey, a new baby. Oh, man, check my new baby. Oh my goodness! Oh my! Oh my! Oh my! Goodness. Oh my goodness. <laughs> the new baby looks like for three weeks. <laughs> oh, so cute, man! <laughs> Who is it? Hi, hi. Look, we laugh because I think many of us have been in situations. I, the first one to say that I've been when I learn, I look back and I look at Rachel, I go, sure. She's come a far away. And I think some of us as parents, we look at our kids and we're like, our kids are just perfect. No, those weren't real babies. They were dolls and it's been superimposed. And, and, I look at, and I look at some of these things and we as parents look and we go, our child is perfect and we apply them to go to this modeling agency because we determine they're going to be the next face of Pampers. <laughs> and we wonder why no agency is calling us back. <laughs> because this is the truth. To us as parents, our child is perfect. When we're going with this, the truth is, and, I, and I, I'm starting my sermon here because it'll make sense as we navigate through together, that not only are our, our babies not perfect, you know that our kids have been born into a sinful world, a fallen world, meaning they have been born into what we call, they were born into sin. What do I mean? That not only are our kids not perfect, but also they are, our little babies are sinful beings. And you're like, yo, welcome to Edge Church, week four of our series. If this is the first time joining us, please, we love kids. You heard what we said. <laughs> we are so for the next gen. Hear my heart. What am I, try, what am I trying to, to express with us? When you look at scripture and you see in Romans 3 verse 10, it says, there is no one righteous, not even one, meaning not even your perfect little darling is, is righteous. Why? All have turned away. And then it says at the end of that verse, not even one. What I'm trying to show us is, as parents to start this, this message is that for us to acknowledge as parents that not only are our children not perfect, but they also have been born into sin, meaning they are sinful. And, 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 and that's why I started with this message, because I remember the day so clearly when, when Rach was born, we were in the hospital, then they did this whole thing of like a skin-to-skin -skin bonding exercise. Your child needs to lay on the dad's chest and, and everything. And I remember being in the nursery and going thinking, why did the nurses leave? Because I had no idea what I was doing. I was so uncomfortable. Um, like I didn't know, like she was like, like sliding, like a little slug. And I was like, I don't know how to move her. I didn't know what to do. Slug. <laughs> Look, she's like squishy. Remember, she's come a far way. <laughs> and you know why they say, and I'm a pastor's kid, why we need so much therapy? <laughs> because we do stuff like this to our children. <laughs> but I, I remember, like, I remember distinctly looking at her and I'm thinking to myself, I wonder what God has in store for her life. And you know, not once ever did I, I look at her and I think to myself, Maybe she'll never worship God and she'll be an atheist. 
No. I, I didn't look at her and go, oh, maybe one day I'll be taking you to rehab. Never. I, I don't know any parents that looked at their kid and thought that. Never looked at the kid and I never looked at her and I thought, oh, maybe one day as a teenager you're going to fall pregnant out of wedlock. No. Something wrong with me if I thought stuff like that. Or thought, oh, you might struggle with, with depression and anxiety. You might be bulimic. You might be rebellious and do that. No, we don't do that. I, I'm very, I can say this with confidence. I don't think any parent looked at their little kid and thought those thoughts. But yet occasionally... And sometimes more than an occasionally, our loved ones, our little ones, can grow up and go in a wrong direction that would we never thought they were going. And if you're like me, and I think many of us are like this, we want to believe if we're just really good, have good intentions, and we try really hard, then surely our kids will turn out fine. Or if we're just really sincere as parents, then, then you know what? They'll, they'll be okay. And yet we see example after example. We so many who find themselves not in that situation. For example, if you look in, in Scripture and you just go to the Old Testament, there's a story of a man named Samson. Now, Samson, maybe you know and you know the story well, but, but if you look at him, if there was anyone that had it going for themselves, is there anyone that should have succeeded? It was Samson. Maybe you know some of this information, maybe it's new for you, but when you look and you look up at some of the history and what has happened with Samson, he was one of half a dozen of people that were born by the touch of God. So meaning he had the upper hand from the very beginning from God. But on top of that, he was one of three divinely announced births. So clearly God had something planned for this young man. And on top of that, not only, he was also one of two people in all of Scripture that we record that was called by God before the day he was even born. So he had a great family. He had great advantages. They say he was strong like an ox. This guy obviously had God's hand upon his life. And he had great parents, but... He broke every single rule and vow as a Nazarite. You see, because he struggled with this thing of lust. He struggled with the relationship, this thing with, with this woman. And so he struggled with that. And, and so what had happened was that he eventually he breaks his vows. And because of his sinfulness, his head is shaved. And now this is a big deal that his head was shaved. His eyes are gorged out and he's paraded all over town. So everyone can see the failure that he has become. And if anyone should have gotten it right, little Samson. And that's why today we're going to speak into this very, from the perspective of a parent, when things don't go the way we want, when our kids go outside of God's parameters or even our parameters, when they become prodigals, how do we deal with that? And for those who have prodigals right now, I know that you're in a season and you can feel the hurt and the pain. Or whether it's loneliness, you're feeling disappointed, whether it's a feeling of, God, where did we go wrong in this parent guilt that you have? I want to encourage you today. I want to encourage you with this promise that I, that I want you to hold on to, is that God fully understands parental pain. 
If there's anyone that would understand what it feels, the pain of a parent, it's God, our perfect God. And in Isaiah, we see in verses 1 to 3, look at the words that God says. He says, I reared children and brought them up. But look, they have rebelled against me. The ox knows his master, the donkey its owner's manger. But Israel does not know, my people do not understand. God understands parental pain. We just think of a God who, if there's anyone perfect, it's God. And you look at, he, he created and he brought Adam and Eve. And he says, I'm going to put you in, in this place where it's just perfect, paradise. Go, go and be fruitful, multiply, subdue the earth, rule over it. You're naked, have fun. But I'm telling you one thing, don't eat of that tree. One rule that he asks of them. And what do they do? They eat of that tree. And so there's a consequence there's a consequence of what happens with that. And we see the consequence where, where God says, well, Adam, now you're going to work really hard. You're going to toil all day and all night long. And, and Eve, every time you have a kid, you're going to be in a lot of pain and scream really loud. Consequences. And so God allowed them to face a consequence. And in the book of Judges, we see how when Israel faced the consequences of their sin, and when that didn't work out in the era of, of Solomon, God said, well, you know what? I'm just going to be really generous. I'm going to bless him and bless him and bless him. And then maybe then they will know that I am their God. And yet, what do they still do? They rebel against him. They go on their own thing. And the children continue to rebel. So what am I getting at? What I'm trying to show you is that God understands parental pain. He gets it. So what do we do when our, when our child runs from God? Runs from God's standards or, or your, our standards, your standard as parents. What do we do? Well, we're talking about prodigals today. And for those of you who have a prodigal, you know the pain right now. Others of you, you might have a prodigal and it might be your spouse who's not following God. It might be a family member. It might be a close friend who, who's a prodigal at the moment. What do we do when someone runs away from God? Well, we go to Scripture and we read what Scripture says. And the most beautiful love story, the most beautiful, uh, I think, in all, we read all of accounts, is this one in Luke 15. And you're like, oh, the prodigal, I know this one. And the, I want you to hear it with fresh ears. Listen to what it says, Luke 15, verse 11 to 13. It says, Jesus continues, he said, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had. And look what happened. He set off for a distant country. You know, that's exactly what happens with prodigals. They set off for a distant, whether it's a spiritual country, or they set off to a distant moral country. A different spiritual country when they go, you know what? I don't buy this anymore. Mom and dad, you, you, that's what you had, but do you know what? I don't buy this thing anymore. I, I, I'm going to go explore and go find myself. And off they go. A different spiritual journey. Moral one, he's saying, you know what? Mom and dad, those are your rules. Well, that's how it was. And, but actually, who says that you're right? And they go off and they go live in a distant moral country. And this is the thing, we see this in the sun, and when you look at a prodigal, there's always three common things that you see within a prodigal. Number one is that prodigals generally become increasingly self-centered. 
What do I mean by this? The focus is on me. What about me? Well, well this is what I want. This is what I'm going to do. I, I don't care how you feel. This is what I'm doing. This is where I'm going. Self-centered. Second thing is what you see about a prodigal is that, that they tend to know all the answers. And this is a really tough season for parents who have a lot of life experience, and they might have a 15 or 18-year-old saying, Mom and Dad, you know nothing. And the pain that you feel just think and go, but you don't understand what it's like. You know, recently my daughter told me a joke, and she learned it from Bluey. And so she says to me, and this is basically what prodigals do. She says to me, Dad, Dad, and she got the joke right once. When I asked her to do it again, because I thought it was so funny, she, she just she, she got it all mixed up. She says to me, she goes, Dad, what's your name? Dad. She's like, no, no, what's your name? I'm like, Daniel. She goes, Dad, what's this? Dad, what's in my hand? Nothing. She goes, ha, huh, Daniel knows nothing. <laughs> I thought it was so sharp. <laughs> But the truth is, that's basically what the prodigal telling you as a parent. Mom and dad, you know nothing. I know more. I know better. And that's a difficult space to be in. And you're watching your kid make decisions, or you're watching a loved one, and they, they know more. They know better. No one, no one can bring anything. I don't want to listen to advice. But then the third thing that we often see is that prodigals demand immediate gratification. Meaning I, I want my state now, and I'm going to use it now. It's about what I can have. I want the party. I want to do this now. I just want it all. It's like a story of an 18-year-old who eventually finishes school so he can grow his hair. His hair is really long. His dad can't stand how long his hair is. And so he says to his dad, he's 18, Dad, is there anywhere that I can get a car? Because, like, I need to go to varsity now. I'm 18. And the father says, we can get it to your car when you cut your hair. And he's like, no, but dad, seriously. And he goes, dad, look at Jesus. Jesus had long hair. And the father says, yeah, but Jesus also walked everywhere. <laughs> we want it now. It's that immediate gratification. And they become increasingly self-centered. They know all the answers. And you see the story about the prodigal, and you, and you read how it continues in, in verse 15, how there's a downward spiral that takes place. And the truth is that any time a prodigal leaves the protective perimeters of God, ultimately there will be the downward spiral. And I believe that for even some of us here, we prodigals. So go through those three things, you go, maybe that's me. And, and can I be completely honest? And this is often something that we don't say, but sin can be fun. Let's be honest. It can be fun for a little bit, but eventually either it's today or tomorrow, next week, next year, the year after, eventually it catches you up. And often when it comes to that, it'll cost you more than what we really want to pay. When we have hidden sin, it will cost us. And if you look at that story of the prodigal and you relate it to our day and age, you can see we can, we can account for it. We've seen so many. We've seen how people have gone and they've made decisions. And, and it's not just young people. Please don't just think it's, oh, young people going through the party scene and doing this. And then they go to Stellenbosch and this is what happens. Don't just relate it to that. Maybe it's for you. But it's so subdued and hidden. But you're a prodigal and you go in and there's a destructive path of a hidden sin that's taking place. 
And we see how this happens. We see how this little boy, how he goes through this and he goes through all this stuff and eventually he hits rock bottom. And in Luke 15, you see how he comes to his senses. He eventually comes to that place and at this point he says, I've really messed up my whole entire life. And he's hurting and he's in pain. But can I tell you now who's even hurting more? It's his parents. His parents hurt him as they, they're watching him go through the, the way that he's lost. But do you know who's hurting even more than his parent? It's our Heavenly Father. Our Heavenly Father hurts and looks down. But can I tell you, as parents, in moments like that, when you're thinking, I can tell you now, they were probably at home questioning a few things. Like asking the question, where did we go wrong as a parent? How did we mess this up? God, why? What should we have done so that it could have been different? And there's probably an argument going back and forth. The father's saying we should have been harder. And the mother was saying maybe we were too hard. Asking the question, we should have maybe gone into a, a private school. We should have done this. We should have intervened earlier. And we can go through questions and, and asking and why, the why. And you know, it can result in so much guilt, parent guilt, that it can drive us to shame. And let me just say this, if, if your child is a prodigal, I want to say it right now. It's not your fault. Sure, there's things that we could have done. Maybe that would have been better. Hindsight is hindsight for that very reason. Looking back and going, we should have done this differently. And yes, we have a major influence on our children. But just like when our kids succeed, and we can't take all the credit when they are doing great. But the same thing is that when they, they're not doing well, you can't all take all the blame on because they make decisions. We have been born so that we can make choices. And so God is ultimately the one who, who helps our kids succeed and we give him all the glory. But in the same breath, he's the one that can also help our kids come back. Don't let guilt drive you to the shame of we should have, we could have, do, and you can go there and you can get yourself really stuck. Yeah, yeah. So then how? How? If we have a prodigal son and daughter or maybe a spouse or someone we love, what do we do? There's three things I want to share with you. I'm going to invite the team onto stage. Three things. And I want to encourage you, take note of this. This is something that I'm going to ask us that we hold on to. Write it on your phones. Put it in a place where you can access it. When, when your heart is hurting, that we can go back to is number one. Number one is unwavering prayer. I love how Paul expresses in Colossians 1 verse 9 to 10 when he says these words, for this reason, since the day we heard about you, and I want you to put your prodigal there. Who's your prodigal? The day I heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We've continually asked God to fill you, bring you to your senses, come to that place where God can only do what He can do in that person's life with the knowledge of His will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, that you may live a life worthy. You know, sometimes I hear parents say and, and friends say to me, they were like, we've done everything. We, we, we did counseling, we did interventions, we tried to ground them, we tried to change the Wi-Fi password, and that just started a war on our hands. We tried to do everything. And then I'm like, and pray? No, oh no, we haven't done that yet. 
Pray is our first response, not our? We come to pray. We come and we earnestly seek God with our, with our prodigals, with our kids, with our loved ones. And we say, God, I'm desperate. Name the prayers. Be intentional in what you pray. God, I pray that as they're going to that circle, that God, the right people surround them. And then you'll take away the people that shouldn't be with them. God, when they go out in the evening, Father, I pray they will make right decisions. Father, I pray for my spouse. Lord, I know that you are talking to them. Pray to God. And you say, but Dan, I've been praying for so long. Never stop praying. And you're like, I don't even know what to pray anymore. Tell God that. I don't know what to pray. He hears you. He hears the groans, as Scripture says. Keep praying. Second thing is unending patience. Galatians 6 verse 9 says, Let us not become weary and do good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not, and this is a key word, give up. You look at the story of the prodigal and you look at the father and what, what happened. In verse 20, look what it says. But while he was still a long way off, what happened with the father? He saw him. He saw him. While he was still a far way off, he saw him. This shows to us that the father was either at the edge of the town waiting or waiting at the end of his property I always have this image of an old school house with the patio, the veranda, the stoop. And there he's sitting on his chair, waiting. He's thinking, maybe this day. I'll come back tomorrow. Maybe tomorrow he's going to come home. Never quit. Never quit. The father never gave up and never should we. And we go, oh, I'm going to just take you out of this inheritance, take you out of that. Well, No. But also his parents. And you see in the story, his parents loved him, him enough so that he would hit rock bottom. They weren't trying to be helicopter parents, lifeguard parents. They weren't trying to be lawnmower parents, clearing the way so nothing bad is going to happen to him. They loved him enough. And that pain must have been so difficult knowing where he was. But there was a place of saying, God, I can't change the decision that he's making. Because what does it say? It says the boy came to his senses. It wasn't bribery and corruption. If you do this, we'll buy you a car. If you obey and do this, then you can get that. When he came to his senses, what do we do? We surrender to God. We say, God, I won't stop. And I'm never going to give up praying for my child. And leads me to the third one. is unconditional love. I said it right in the beginning that the most powerful and the most, the most beautiful love story in Scripture is, is the story. Because in verse 20 is what I just said, but look at the end of verse 20. When he saw him, he was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son and he threw his arms around him and he kissed him. Notice the son didn't deserve any of this. He broke the trust of his parents. He broke the heart of his parents. He didn't deserve any of it. And yet the father's like, you know what? Get Betsy the cow from the field. We are going to bry. We're going to have steaks. We're going to have a party. We're going to celebrate. Why? Unconditional love. He didn't deserve it. And yet his father said, come. Put these sandals on. Put this robe so that we don't see the full. Here's the biggest ring. 
because he says in verse 24, for the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now he's found. Do you know the moral behind the story? Maybe you know this or maybe you don't. There's a story of the prodigal, the, the essence of it is that the father is our father in heaven and we are the runaways like the son the ones whose hearts have grown hard, the ones who maybe we know it all, we've become more self-centered, it's about me, and you know what, I can't give more because this is about me. We're the ones that maybe are wanting the immediate gratification. And God simply says, I want you to take one step towards me, and like the father, he ran towards the son. And I know that there's some of us that are like the prodigal that, are, that have drifted. You lost. Maybe to everyone else, you look like you're fine. You still love the Lord. I know how to worship. I know how to clap at the right point. I know how to do Bible study. I know what to do this. I know how to do that. But actually, if we're really honest, our hearts are ice cold. And as a prodigal, there's a knock of heaven that says to you today, will you come home? Because Isaiah 30 verse 18 says this promise, but the Lord still waits for you. Right now he says, I've been waiting for you. I've been waiting for you. I've been waiting for you to come to me so I can show you love. I can show you compassion. Not that, oh, you must do this work, so stop pretending if you have it all together. You know the right, amen, bless your brother, good, good, good. No, no. I want your heart. I don't want your mind. I want your heart to know me. And today that invitation comes to us as maybe as a prodigal, but also for parents who are carrying the burden, the heartache of a prodigal. He says, I'm still waiting for you. Can I tell you that God is waiting for the prodigals? Don't give up, parents. Don't give up. I'm going to ask us to close our eyes and just be still in this moment. And I'm going to encourage you to put everything down if we can limit moving around at this point. Because I know that the Holy Spirit is speaking to hearts today. And right now, I believe the Holy Spirit is wanting to speak to you. And in this moment, I want you to ask, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me right now? And then listen. Be still and ask. Today we conclude, and I'm going to ask you to stay in this atmosphere of prayer. I'm concluding, and I wanted to conclude this series with this message. It's a challenging one for many parents, but not only parents, I'm believing for many of those who maybe have loved ones who are prodigals, who have lost their direction. 
You know, just like the prodigal had to change his, his, his physical direction, he had to change where he was going from to, to go home. Physically, walk in a different way. I believe that's exactly what God is asking today. I believe that there are many today, and I saw it in the first service, so many people got up and changed their direction because they knew, they heard the Holy Spirit saying to them, come home. And why am I saying that there needs to be a change in our physical direction? Because just like the son had to physically turn and take steps, when he did that, the father came. And what did he do? He embraced, he kissed, he embraced. And I believe there's some of us that we need to be embraced and we need someone to stand with us to pay witness to the prayer that we're even praying. That you need someone like the story of a father to embrace you. And in this moment, that's what we're going to do. We're going to respond. And like I said, the gospel isn't always an invitation. It's never a forced thing. So don't feel like it's this forced thing that's happening. It's an invitation. But can I tell you, when there's an invitation, we are required to respond. And my prayer is that today you will respond to his invitation to come home. Whether you are a prodigal yourself and you've lost your way, or whether it's your child, your loved one, he's saying, I need someone to pray with me to commit them again to God. We want to be able to stand with you. And this morning in our first service, we created space and there is an altar in the front where people came and our prayer team moved around and we stood and we prayed. And I saw the tangible, I saw people changing because of the Holy Spirit was meeting them right where they were. But it was a route. They had to take one step to allow the Father to run towards them. And so there's an invitation to us, even online, even if you're not in this building, there's an invitation for you to run to the Father. Prodigals. And you know you're a prodigal. You can feel even right now your heart's beaten and it mustn't be guilt. It's not shame. It's actually the Holy Spirit saying, my child, I've been waiting for you. Come home. And then there's those parents that are grieving because of their kid. His husbands, his wives that are grieving because their partner is lost. And now we want to take a moment to stand with you. And so we're going to worship. And I'm going to ask all of us to get to our feet online. I want to encourage you to stay engaged. Let's get to our feet. And you know, as we sing this song, the words of the line say, here in your presence. You see, it's in his presence where the words say, cry out before him. Cry out before him. And as this altar has been prepared, I want to encourage you to come find God. You say, God, I, you feel the emptiness inside of you. It's an invitation saying, will you come home? And as we declare these words, I want you to worship. This is not about watching anyone else. So now, right from the beginning, I'm asking everyone to close their eyes. And we're going to worship. And I want you to encounter Jesus. And you're saying, you need prayer? 
Don't delay. I want you to come right now. Come right now to the front. He's saying, I am a prodigal. I need prayer. I need someone to stand with me as we pray for my child. Come right now. Our prayer team is going to move as well. And we're going to start praying for people. And I believe God is going to do the much more. So come right now. Let's sing and we're going to declare that God is here in this place. If people are already moving, don't delay. Don't worry about what anyone else is thinking. This is God's divine moment. He says, I prepared an altar for you. Change your direction. Come on, let's pray. And let's sing, here I lay my burdens down. We're in the presence of a mighty Father. And I'm gonna ask everyone just to be still and to close their eyes in this moment. I know that people are still being prayed for. I know there's still others that need to come. But I want to pray a prayer. And today I'm speaking directly to those who you identify that you are a prodigal. And maybe for some of you, you're like, Today, you're going to make a decision that's going to change your life forever. But for some of us, maybe we've, we've, we've been in a family, we've grown up, we've been around, and we know the spiritual stuff, we know the spiritual journey. But our hearts have grown cold. We've gone another direction. And we're straight, and either we're living in opening in sin or it's things that we're hiding. Maybe you're like, well, I'm still a pretty moral person. I, I, I'm pretty good still. That's good. But it's the heart that God speaks to. You know, His word says in Ephesians 2, verse 8, for it is by grace, it is by grace, the grace of God, that we are saved. It's got nothing to do how moral we are. It's got nothing to do with, oh, I, I need to do this or I need to do that. Or before I can come, I need to make sure my life's right here. So it's got nothing to do with that. It's got nothing to do with works. It's got to do with His grace. And I love those words that we sang, mercy is falling, grace is falling upon us. Today, I know that God's saying, come home, my child. And he gets you and you're saying, today I'm coming home. All eyes closed, I want you to say this prayer. Some of you came up, but I still believe some of us are stuck in our seats. Say this prayer with me. All eyes are closed, private moment. God, today, I come to you. Forgive me. Make me new. Save me. Change me. Make me brand new, I pray. No pretending, no faking, real deal. I surrender all to you. And if that's you right now, you prayed that prayer, you said, Dan, that is me, I prayed that prayer. With all eyes closed, I want you to lift your hand high up and you say, I pray that prayer. Amen, amen. There's hands going up. Amen, amen. I can't even see what God sees. I want you to just say, if that's me, I prayed that prayer. God, I thank you for every hand, and you can put it down that prayed that prayer. Lord, I thank you that, that heaven celebrates, heaven rejoices. We cry, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. For those who have come home, I thank you for what you are going to do. 
And Father, I thank you that as we can pour out our hearts before you in your presence, you meet us right where we are, and we're going to end by declaring that. We trust that you enjoyed listening to the sermon today. We would love to stay in touch with you about your next steps. Please send us a WhatsApp or contact us via our website. We would love to help you on your discipleship journey.